return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. As a good word for us, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you happy to be in the presence of the Lord? Amen. The best place to be is in the presence of God. Yeah. The best place to be is in the presence of God. Before we begin, I want to appreciate Pastor Dave Mamajini, Pastor Randy and Angeline for continually giving some people like us this great opportunity to be vessels through whom God would use to bless His Word. And I pray that Today, or this evening, you have a special encounter with God. Hallelujah. Because the Bible says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among men. The Word became, was revealed, incarnated, dwelt among men. Shall we close our eyes? Shall we close our eyes? Just begin to picture God. Look at Him, look at His eyes, and just begin to express your love towards Him. Just tell him how appreciative you are, even for being part of today. Today is a present that God has given unto you. Can you lift up your voice and begin to pray? Speak in the language of the Holy Ghost as much as you can. Bless the name of the Lord. La cura papanda sara basaida cronomos in pranisa. Eira capanda sora baba basaida brandisa. Oh, 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 God, we give you praise. Father, we give you honor. We give you glory. 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 That ethnic vessel like us, Lord, you could choose to tabernacle yourself in us, Lord, we give you glory. Father, we give you praise. I see your face, you're beautiful, you're beautiful, you're beautiful. I see your face, you're beautiful, you're beautiful, you're beautiful. All that you are, you beautiful, you're beautiful, you're beautiful, Lord. All that you are, you are beautiful, you're beautiful, you're beautiful. Father, we stand in awe of your presence. We thank you that, Lord, tonight you are coming to give us your word. Father, we pray that every heart be prepared and receptive to your word. Father, it, it has nothing to do about me, but it has everything to do about you. Father, I stand in agreement with John the Baptist, and Lord, I say, 
Then may you increase as I totally decrease. May people see your glory. May people hear your word. May they have an encounter. May they have a revelation of your personality. Father, may the word of God be so real and be revealed unto them. So that at the end they will have testimonies on their lips and say that Emmanuel, you have done all this for us. In your name have we prayed with thanksgiving. Amen. I don't know whether you came with an expectation. I don't know whether you came with an expectation. One key thing I want you to understand is that it is an error for you to enter God's presence without an expectation. We are not just coming to church as a religious activity, but we are coming to church because we are coming to encounter God. The Bible talks about a woman in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 9, verse 1 down to 12. The Bible says that this woman was called the Queen of Sheba. This woman had heard so much about King Solomon. But this time, what she decided to do different from what other people do, that she decided to go to Israel and go and encounter this man called Solomon. The Bible says that when this woman went, she went not just going, but she went with difficult questions. Why are you here? What questions do you have? The Bible said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It, 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 it will be a mistake that you go before the master, the maker, the one who has it all, and you go there without any expectation and come back the same as you came. So this woman went before Solomon, went with questions and with goodies. And the Bible says that she went, had dialogue with the man of God. And by the time the man spoke to her, she was amazed because the Bible says that she, he answered the woman's questions, everything, and he even added more. So one statement the woman made was that, I had heard so much about you, but I can confidently say that not half of it have I seen, not half of it was even said. Because what I've seen amazes me. Until we get to the point where we are so eager to encounter God, it will be so difficult for us to be able to see him just as he is. Some people come before God just as a religious activity. But some people enter his presence with some seriousness and with some eagerness to encounter him. There is one thing being a signboard. And there is another thing being part of it. I don't want to be a signboard. I don't want to just lead people. But I want to be part of the numbers. I want to be part of the chosen. I want to go before him and be filled with his word. Hallelujah. And I pray and I believe that tonight God is going to speak to you like never before. God has laid a word on my heart which is very timely. You know, it is um, the unity of the church. The unity of the church. You know, if there's any time the church is supposed to be united like never before, it's supposed to be this time. It's supposed to be this time. The enemy is doing whatever it takes to bring division among the body of Christ. It's so unfortunate how now the church is so fixated on the peripherals, the secondary matters, than the primary things that are needed to build and edify us and make us stronger. Unity is oneness. Oneness. Sometimes you see, unit. One. Where at the point where when people look at you, they, they see all of us locked up in one thing, one entity. Where they don't see the difference, they don't see any disparity, where they don't see any, any I mean, any um, country, race, gender, whatever, but they see oneness. That is how God created the church. God created the church as one. God formed the church as one. 
We are meant to be together because when we are united and we are together, we are stronger than ever before. When I was a kid, I used to watch um, these um, geography, um, is it? They showcase animals and all those kind of stuff. Geological, whatever. And you realize that mostly when the animals are moving, they move, they move in flock. They move together. So when they are moving together, it's very difficult for the prey to be able to penetrate and attack them. Because the prey knows that so far as these animals are gathered together, they are stronger than ever before. And if I make an attempt to break through, I will become meat for them. So what he will do is that it, if, it is a, if it is a lion, the lion will go and hide and be waiting for one person or for one of the animals to get out of the flock. So immediately one gets out, that person becomes the prey and becomes the meat for the, for the enemy to prey on. And that has been the agenda of the devil. And in these times, the church is so busy with other things. Things are breaking us. Things are making us weak. Because, you know, if you don't become strong, the enemy will continue to break through and break through and break through and weaken us. And we didn't have the capacity and the audacity to command things for things to happen. Yes. One person cannot do it. We, together, we become stronger and we can do much. But then if you think that if you isolate yourself, you can do much, that is an error. Because in as much as we have gifts, it is one spirit that gives all these gifts. Though you can have the gift of prophecy, though you can, have the, you can be able to interpret tongues, though you can be able to speak in tongues, though you can be able to interpret dreams, you can be able to do all these things. But when you read the book of um, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the Bible talks about the fact that the spirit, I think um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, talks about the fact that the spirit is one. And it's the spirit that gives all these gifts. That is why one person is not important than the other. We are all one. We are all one. So it is very important that the church, we come to our right senses. We leave the worldly things, we leave the things to the world and fix our mind and our attention. We gaze on the things that can build us and make, I mean, enlarge our capacity to dominate our sphere of influence. The book of John, chapter 17, when Jesus had done his ministry and he was leaving. He was praying for his disciples and he said, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world and I am coming to you. This was the time Jesus had finished his work and he knew that it was time for him to be knitted with his maker, with his father. So he was preparing to leave. And he said that, Holy Father, Protect them by the power of your name. The name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Hallelujah. One of the main things God or Jesus prayed for the church was oneness. Togetherness. Oneness. That they may be one. Even the Trinity. God the Father, God the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. They are three in one. They work together as one. So then, so because of that, God is able to achieve much. But then if we 
Our work are dividing ourselves and causing certain things to break us apart. Allowing politics, allowing religious issues, allowing our background, our country, allowing our own philosophies, our personal sentiments to bring division and chaos in the church. We cannot be able to grow stronger and take over the world. Creation awaits the manifestations of the children of God. Creation is awaiting for us with eagerness that we imago day, that we manifest. But instead of us to build ourselves and get ourselves up and take over, we are sitting down and thinking about other things. Things that have no bearing on what will cause us to be stronger, to dominate. Let me tell you, now, with respect to COVID, new variant, new strains and whatever, is, they are coming up and everything. One thing, I can, one thing I can tell all of us, I don't care the signs and the whatever you attach to it. And I don't care your stance or your position on this COVID issue. But one key thing I can tell you is that anything that will kill and destroy you is not of God. Hallelujah. Anything that will destroy you is not of God. So then, if that thing has the capacity to destroy people, then it's not God who intended it to be. So if it is not God who intended it to be, then we need to stand as one and stand at the place of prayer and reverse things to normal. That is our position as children of God. What the other people do, whatever they can do, whether they, they invent vaccines and whatever, we also stand at the place of prayer because some trust in chariots, some trust in their power, but we believe and we trust in the name of the Lord. So as others are thinking about other things, we go at the altar of prayer. We kneel as one church. We pray and we say that, God, this nonsense must stop. Reverse this whole thing so that your people can be free to worship you. When Pharaoh and the Egyptians took over the people of Israel, one key thing was that, one key thing God said was that, let my people go that they may worship me. Anything that creates fear, cripples people, puts people in bondage. People are in their homes, they are walking around, but they are caged. They are in the cage of fear. I'm afraid that if I go out, I might contract something called COVID-19. I might contract flu. I might contract this. So I would better way lock myself up. So now the church is afraid. People are still meeting online. And you know, immediately everybody is now meeting separately and all those stuff. We become, I mean, easily accessible for the devil to do whatever he wants to do. Since the time of the inception of the COVID, some churches have gone down and they can't come up again. A kingdom divided against itself will never stand. If God brought the COVID, why would he do that to destroy himself? Um, And it's not only the COVID, but many things are going on in this world. But it's like, I don't know what's wrong with the church. We are always, now we come to church and our mind and our focus are on other things that will not benefit and profit all. Well, I came to tell you the truth. If you, if you like the message, say hallelujah. If you don't like it, I mean... Uh, like. In John chapter 17, um, I think the verse 21 or so, can you take me there to the other one? Yeah, verse 20, 21. This is, God's, this is Jesus' prayer 
to all those that believe. He says that my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. So at first, Jesus prayed for the disciples. Now he's praying for me and you. He says that, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they be, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So when we become one and we are all locked up in God through Jesus, now the world, uh, the world is able to fathom and understand the fact that it is God who sent His Son Jesus to come and save the world. That all and everyone, no matter where you come from, no matter your gender, your color, no matter your circumstances or your situation, no matter whatever you've been through, if you call on the name of Jesus, He will come and rescue you. Division, whenever, we, whenever there is division among the church, we are questioning the ability of Jesus to save the world. Questioning the, in fact, we are tainting the fact that God sent his son Jesus to the earth. This unity is very dangerous. Whenever there is division, it's very dangerous. When you go to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, this was a time where there was great division in the body of Christ. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly. No spiritual person will look at himself and think that he's better than the friend and better than somebody. No one who is led by the Spirit will want to create chaos and division in the body of Christ. If you are in the church and your mind and everything you are doing is breaking and dividing the church and making the church weak, then you are becoming an instrument for the devil to use. Such a person, you are carnal. You are worldly. Let me tell you. Do you know that I read something from the, book of, from the book of Ezekiel chapter 9 and when God instructed the man holding the white skates to go and mark the foreheads of all those who lament over the detestable things going on in Israel. The Bible says that now my judgment shall begin from the house. Yes. Don't, don't sit in the church and think that you are saved. There will be, it, it will be a shock, okay? Some will be like, oh, I have been in the church all the days of my life. My mom, my, they gave birth to me in the church. I've been in the church for 70 years. And God will say, oh, that's good. I like your CV, but you are going to hell. If you don't build that relationship, if you don't open up your spirit and allow Jesus to come and stay in your heart, if you don't let go of your pride, if you don't let go of yourself, if you don't let go of your differences, if you don't let go of your status or whatever, and allow God to have his way in you, you will be in the church, you will be part of the number, but when the day is due, you, you will be cast out. You are still worldly. Mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food. For you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. 
He was emphasizing. You know, when someone repeats something over and over and over again, the person is emphasizing on something you are trying to be ignorant of. He's bringing it to your attention. That this is you. You are worldly. You are infant. Because what, how you think is like a baby. Never confuse age to maturity. You can be 50 years, but you might not be matured. When Jesus was at the age of 12, he was sitting with the scribes and talking with them. And they were amazed with the quantum of questions this young boy was asking. He depicted his level of maturity. He was just 12 years. And at that same time, some people were around 16 years, but they couldn't understand anything from Adam. And they were living their lives like anything. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Quarreling. Useless things. Sometimes when I look at the, the things that the church we quarrel about and because that we take offense from it, I'm like, ah, really? It's like I heard of a story about some young couple who were married and when they are, I mean, when they are brushing their teeth, one of them would start pressing the piece from the middle, another person would start pressing the piece from the tail end. Then one person, then the, the husband told the wife, no, you have to press it from the bottom and so that it, will, it can fill in very well. And the lady was like, no, when we went from my home, when we are doing it, we press from the middle and it goes in. Hey, 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 it became a problem just because of paste. Paste, toothpaste. Why don't you buy two so that one will press from the middle and one will press from the tail? You see, what the devil does, he throws something very small, something little. You know, because the devil knows that we are blessed beyond curse. When you read the book of Numbers chapter 21 to chapter 23, the Bible talks about the people of Israel. They had conquered so much and they go to the, the Moabite land. And the Bible says that when they got there, the king of Moab, who was called Balak, was afraid. So because he went to consult a sorcerer called Balaam. When, when he went to consult Balaam, Balaam said that, Balaam inquired of the Lord. And the Lord told him that, my friend, these people, they are mine. These people, they are blessed beyond curse. They cannot be cursed. Can I submit to you, you sitting here, if you are indeed a child of God, then I want to submit to you that you are blessed, so, so blessed, beyond curse. The only thing the devil can do is to cause us to destroy ourselves. So when you read and you read, you realize that it got to a point, the anger of God came upon the people of Israel. And just at a day, just one day, 28,000 people fell by the sword. And when you read further to the chapter 31, you get to understand that actually Balaam told them that because these people are blessed beyond case, there's no way they can be destroyed. But we can let them destroy themselves. So how would they be destroyed? Let, let your women go and seduce their men. When the women go and seduce their men, they will fall to their seduction and they will start marry, marrying each other. Then the anger of God will come upon them. So they did that and it succeeded. That's why when you go to the book of Revelation, it talks about those who believed in the advice of Balaam. Or those who followed the teachings of Balaam. The seductive teaching. Little, little foxes. This poor divine. I'm speaking to you as a man of God, under the authority of God, that we should open our eyes and see that the devil 
is do whatever it takes to break us. Because the devil is still cooking things and throwing it into the atmosphere. And those who are the, those who are the children of God and have the Spirit of God in them are also sleeping and not doing what they are supposed to do. Can I submit to you, a man is a spirit with a soul living in a body. We are spirit beings. Our actual habitat is the realm of the spirit. The devil understands that. So when the devil is doing things spiritually, we ought to take our place in the realm of the spirit and dominate. If the devil throws this, you should counter and throw it back. That is why the world, that's why creation is awaiting us. But now the world is afraid and the children of God who have the power are in the book of um, one, in the book of Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, God said, let us create Elohim. So let us create man in our own image, in our own likeness. And let them have dominion over, over everything. In fact, if you don't know that it is over everything, then I want to take you to the book of Psalm 115 verse 16. The Bible says that the earth, the, the heavens is the Lord, and the earth has he given unto men. That means that everything in this earth, including the realm of the spirit, whatever, he has given it unto us. But if we sit back and we do nothing, the world will continue to get worse. The error in this age is, is that those who have the power are sitting somewhere, using it not. And those who have the evil aspect of the power are destroying the world. Whilst the good ones do nothing. And you know, so now because now there is division and we are quarreling over little, little things, okay, now, the devil is continually doing whatever he can do. And, you know, because he knows that his time is very small, he's doing it. And we, ignorantly, we are focusing on other things. So by the time we say Jack, we are doomed. The problem is not COVID-19. The problem is the one behind COVID-19. The problem is not LGBTQ++++. The problem is the one behind LGBTQ+++. The problem is the enemy. So we need to take our place. We need to be together. When people go for war, it's not just one person who go and stand before the enemy and go and fight the whole enemy. But then we join forces together like one army. Then we go and we fight and we, we conquer and we give glory unto God. Can we come together? Can we let go of our differences? Can we let go of our political stance? Can we let go of our ambitions? Can we let go of these small, small things that are dividing the church? You know, we are eternal beings. How long do we have to spend on this earth? I'll bet standing here, I don't know how long I'm going to stay, but one day I will go. But there is a place where I will transition to that I will stay forever. Why don't I do whatever it takes to live life to the fullest as God has given me? Be an impact and a blessing to the world before I leave to eternity and continue to enjoy. For since there is jealousy and quarrel among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere human beings? Can we go to the next verse? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? Oh, me, I am from this country. My church is not here. Uh, I don't see any of my countrymen around. So because I'm not going to church. 
I feel like these people, the way they think, so I'm not going here. Oh, I mean, I believe in this person because this person I believe is not there and someone else is there. Then I won't go to church again. Oh, I follow this kind of person. Now the person has left the church and has gone to a different place. So I've, I've left the church. I see if it's the person who died with Jesus Christ on the cross. Jesus died on the cross alone. You didn't die with him on the cross. On Galilee, I mean, on the cross, when he said, Father, it is finished, where were you? When he was shedding his blood so that we can get redemption through his blood, where were you? Let's not look down on the blood that was shed on the cross of Calvary. Let's not make ridicule. Let's not ridicule the blood that was shed. It's so precious. He bought us at a cost. He bought us with his blood. There was no way there could be redemption for mankind until light came down and died on the cross. There was no way spirit could die. So spirit had to be locked up in body, in flesh, so that God could die on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, not just, it wasn't just a person. The Bible says that in him dwelleth the Godhead. So when Jesus was dying on the cross, God died. The spirit died. The son died. The Trinity died on the cross just for you. Why are we allowing mere small things? Why are we following after things that are immaterial, has no bearing on our faith? Some say, I follow Paul. Look, check your life. Some of you, the reason why you're acting the way you're acting is because you think you have a favorite person, the person is not coming to church, or the person is this, and the person too, I'll be acting in some way. But... <laughs> Let me tell you, one day, the Father will come and demand accountability. However you live your life, one day you should know that you'll be held accountable. When you appear before the Master, what account shall you give unto him? May God give us understanding. Amen. So, that is the plot. So, you realize that even in the early church, they had these issues. So, what makes unity so important what made the unity of the church so important to the point that the devil wants to do whatever it takes to create this differences, disparity, division among us? Let's go to the book of Psalm 113, verse 1 to 3. The Bible says that um, a song of ascent of David. How good and pleasant it is. I like the... Um, um, new standard, the, um, it's not, you don't have it here, but it starts with behold. If you have the version that starts with behold, kindly give me that one, whether um, NLT or whatever. NLT or whatever. It starts with behold. Oh, yes, Lord. Shekrado somprana siata krumi and uskatia. See that, behold. And the reason why I, I need the behold is because I'm, I'm going to say something about the behold. See that, behold, how good. Tell your friend how good. Tell your friend how pleasant. It is for brethren to dwell together in unity. I read, I was, I, I was when I was reading and preparing, I, I saw a place where someone said something so beautiful. See that, there is nowhere in the scripture where you see good and pleasant joined together in one sentence. Good and pleasant joined together in one sentence to define one thing. Behold, how good, how pleasant 
It is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard. Do I have beard? Running down on the beard, the beard of not Albert, but of Aaron. Running down on the edge of his garment. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountain of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing. Life forevermore. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, we need to be united. eh? Because there's nothing better. Because... One of the main prayers of Jesus was that the church will be united and be one. It is very important. Why is the devil attacking the unity of the church? What makes unity so important a person that the devil wants to take that person out so that there can be division? So it's because it is like the precious oil. When you're reading the Bible and you see, behold, it's what it literally means is that pause. It's kind of close to like cellar. Pause. Look at it. It's like an emphasis. Like an emphasis. Like I'm emphasizing on something very important. So when you read when you read, I mean the Hebrew scripts, you realize that whenever they want to emphasize on something very, very important, to be like, pause, look, watch. Take your time. Understand. So sometimes behold can even be likened to wisdom. It can be likened to understanding. Behold, take your time. Analyze the thing critically. It is very important. Behold, how good and pleasant it is for for brethren to remain. And you know, dwelling or remaining is staying in a place in continuum. Meaning that you stay there perpetually. You don't visit the place. You stay. Not like, oh, I've entered the room. I've gone out. I've entered. I've gone out. No, stay. Remain in that place forever. That's what we mean. That's what it means to remain. How good and for ready to, um, to dwell, to remain together in unity. So, like, being together always, perpetually, as one. It is like the precious oil on the head. When God was consecrating, um, when God was consecrating the um, the priest, when you read the book of Leviticus, chapter one, chapter eight or so, let me check it if I got it right. Yeah, Leviticus chapter eight, verse twelve. That he poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head and anointed him and consecrated him. So, unity is like it to the oil that was poured on the head of Aaron. That oil that consecrated, that isolated, that made him distinct, that separated him from the rest unto himself. And also, when you go deeper, that oil of consecration consecrated him and purged him for blessing. So it is symbolic of divine blessing. So in other words, what it means is that how good and pleasant it is for brothers to live together. Because it's like the oil that was poured on the head of Aaron drew to his beard to the edge of his garment. That made him divinely blessed. Hallelujah. The only way 
the church can be divinely blessed like never before is when we are united. In unity, we find blessing. And this one is talking about, so the first part, we're talking about divine blessing. Huh. Some of us, we need divine blessing. When we talk about blessing, blessing means increase. Blessing means abundance. Hallelujah. Some of you, you need some blessing in certain areas of your life. You need some abundance in certain areas of your life. If it's about spiritual blessing, that means that anything that pertains to your spirituality, you are going to be blessed. Hallelujah. You are going to increase like never before. So if it is your, your ministry, if it's your spiritual gift, you are going to be blessed. You are going to be so blessed, so favored to the point that wherever you stand, people will easily identify that grace upon your life. Because you are so blessed. Divine blessing. Divine blessing. The devil knows that when the church becomes united, we become spiritually blessed. And when we are spiritually blessed, we now master the, the courage, the audacity, and we have the capacity to easily overcome him. Because in blessing, we have abundance. So whatever the devil will come with, we have so much more to conquer. So then he will do whatever he, it takes to break us. So that you will not have that divine blessing to dominate. Now, in this world, we have about almost 8 billion people. Christians are only around 2.8 billion. If we are spiritually and divinely blessed, we don't have to talk too much. The Bible says when the Spirit of God came upon them, the Bible says that in the book of Acts chapter 2, now when the disciples were gathered together at the upper room, together, not separately, when the disciples were gathered together at the upper room on the day of Pentecost, suddenly a sound like the blowing of of, of, of violet wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they were filled. And the Holy Ghost sometimes is, is also likened to the oil. So now when they were filled with the Spirit of God, now Peter, who is afraid and could not talk, who was afraid to talk about Jesus, he stood and at a stance about 3,000 men, meaning that about 9,000 people gave their life to Christ. What made the difference? Spiritual abundance. Spiritual blessing. Some people, you talk plenty, but no one listens. But when you get to the place of divine abundance, when you stand, you just, even when you cope, <coughs> people are running to you. Ghana, we have some men of God like um, um, Duncan, Duncan Williams. Sometimes, even when he coughs, <coughs> people are like, Amen! <laughs> even in the cough, they are receiving grace. But some of you will speak all the revelation from Genesis to Revelation. And they'll be like, okay. And they'll pass by. But when you zoom into spiritual blessing, you don't talk much. It's the grace of God that makes man rich. Ha, let me go to the next part because my time is due. It is that in the, um, the, the verse 3 of Psalm 133, it talks about the deal. Can, can you take me there, please? talks about the dew from Hermon. See that? It is like the dew of Hermon. Now, Hermon is the, is the longest mountain in Israel. It's about 9,200 feet tall. So, it is taller, far, far taller than Mount Zion. Okay. So, it is actually Hermon that actually feeds into Jordan, River Jordan, and ends up feeding into other seas. 
So it is so rich. So when, um, when the clouds condenses and the snow condenses, now it becomes water, it comes down, it gets to Jordan, and then it moves to some of the seas they are being fed. And well, when you look at it, you realize that because of the height of Mount Hermon, and because of how high it is compared to um, Zion, the deal that it receives is able to give some onto Mount Zion. So actually, you know, don't, the Bible talks about the fact that the greatest is the, one that, is the one that blesses the least. So now, what it means literally is that deal stands for material blessing. So now, because we are connected to God together in one faith, now the church is now able to receive because Zion is the place where the children of God meet together. So when the children of God meet in Mount Zion, it means that the children of God have met in the presence of God. So what it means is that because we are united together as one, we are able to receive what we call material blessings. Hallelujah. Whatever pertains to you, whatever you need. If you need money to go wherever, to buy cars, to go and do missions. If you need money, to go and reach out to souls. If you need money, whatever. Any blessing you need, you'll find it in unity. You know, that is, I just want to summarize it. Because if I say I'm going, I'll go on and on and on. But I want to draw your attention to the importance of unity. Why we can't allow our differences to destroy this great blessing. And abundance God has in store for us. In whatever you do, know that you are gambling on your blessing. If you allow your differences and little, little things to bring division, you are depriving yourself of both spiritual blessing, material blessing, abundance, and the ability to dominate your realm and your sphere of influence. I pray, can we close our eyes? I pray, I pray for you that may you receive the grace to be healed. If you are going through pain in anywhere, and if I talk about pain, I'm talking about the fact that maybe someone has hurt you in the church. Maybe someone has said something in the church that has caused you pain. And because whenever you come to the church, you don't want to have anything to do with those kind of people. Some of us are going through many things, and because of our differences, we can't really receive of God. I pray for the grace of healing in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray, I pray that may we find the balm of Gilead that has the ability and the capacity to heal us of our pain. Some of us in bless in 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 in, in unity, we will find physical healing. I pray for you wherever you are sick, whatever you are going through. By virtue of this word spoken upon your life, may you receive healing. May you receive the grace to overcome in the mighty name of Jesus. Any blessing you need in any area and in any aspect of your life. Because today, you have resolved that no matter what, I will allow unity, brotherly love to prevail. I will allow unity to prevail, irrespective of my differences. For the sake of the kingdom, I will allow all these things to pass by. God is going to bless every area of your life. The blessing, you will receive that blessing. Your children will receive it. Your great children will receive to the thousandth generation. They will receive it because of the decision you have made today. Father, I thank you. I bless your name for this word you've given unto us. I pray that you bring your children to the point that they understand your word just as it is. That it's not complicated. That Lord, you want the church to be one. Father, I pray that if anyone needs healing, anyone needs strength in any area of their life, 
may it be given unto them. So that at the end, glory and honor shall be unto your name. May we not stand anywhere and say that because of this person, I won't do what I'm supposed to do for you. But may we continually to be together and be healed and say that, Abba, Father, it is you that we serve and it is you that we look at. We bless your name. In your name have we prayed with thanksgiving. Let all saints say, Amen. 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 If you are here and you need prayers, um, kindly come. But before I, I leave, I want to appreciate my wife, Dr. Abigail Donkobema. I love her so, so much, and um, I want to appreciate her. God bless you. You can come if you need prayers. Shalom. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife at brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., also Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.